It's Thursday the 9th of November and you're listening to the Women's Football Talk podcast. Well, the fireworks were certainly going off in more ways than one last weekend. How are we all? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. I'm Brad Morris and I'm joined as ever by Regan Walsh. It's been just another week, really, in women's football, hasn't uh, <laughs> <I mean, laughs> it? <laughs> Nothing major has happened over these last few days. Boring weekend. It's difficult. Like, we've done, we're doing this, but it's very difficult to find stuff to talk about for this episode. What do you think? I mean, it's just absolutely bonkers. I mean, yes, we're doing it later than usual, but <laughs> I don't know. Where do we start? Do we start with Chelsea? Do we start with... Do we, where do we start? Nothing's happened. <laughs> Nothing has happened. <laughs> Nothing's seismic that is going to change the WSL as we know it. <laughs> uh, I mean... I know it's not Aston Villa winning a game of football, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, so about if you haven't heard, Emma Hayes, it's been confirmed, she's departing Chelsea at the end of this season. And in the statement, I quote, to pursue a new opportunity outside of the WSL and club football. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's one of the things that maybe in the future you get asked, where were you in this moment? Because you messaged me. Just Emma Hayes with endless alarm bells, and I'm wondering, oh God, what has happened? <laughs> it can't be anything that bad, surely. Like, oh, she's just said something like outrageous, probably. It just needs a simple graphic. And then I'll just see it on X. Like, oh my Lord. <laughs> uh, honestly, I was just chilling, obviously, after watching um, the game that uh, Chelsea beat Aston Villa 6 0 wasn't expecting anything i thought okay that's the game done for saturday nothing else is going to happen now for the rest of the uh day right cool go about it no more english women's good thing we've waited long enough that there's no point in reviewing it (laughs) (laughs) and then three o'clock saturday comes chelsea with the biggest bombshell of the season putting out that statement and sending shockwaves in women's football Oh, but it, like who had this? Nobody had this on their season predictions. I refuse to believe it. One person will have done it. And I'm very intrigued to hear that, but fair play if you did. I mean, oh, this is it's just nuts. There's, there's a lot to unpack from it, even still like, days gone. There's a lot of unknown parts with it. But one thing that isn't unknown, I think, is. What does Emma Hayes' future actually look like? Because a lot has gone round, I think we can say. The statement wording pretty much made it clear as well. International football, I think, is where her calling will be next. Wasn't even wasn't even an hour. <laughs> it was like half an hour later. Meg Linehan of The Athletic reported the news, saying that it was likely that she was going to become the next head coach of the USA women's national team. I wasn't even fully over the shock of the Chelsea statement. And then you're seeing all this going around that she was set to be the, appointed the US one. And I was like, oh, my God, this is just carnage day on top yeah. of carnage. 
one of those things that put two or two together, it would seem likely in the end. It's like Emma Hayes isn't leaving Chelsea unless there's a big opportunity coming away. And yeah, there it is. It's the biggest one you can probably say is available right now in the whole of women's football. Definitely, it is the biggest one um, for grabs. And I, I mean, I remember a few weeks ago we saw some of the names being linked. Uh, uh, the Australian coach, uh, the Swedish coach, had been linked. I had also seen Joe Montemuro of Juventus, formerly of Arsenal. He'd been uh, reportedly linked with the job, and then it just seemed out of nowhere that they've managed to, if I call it, if the reports are all true, they've managed to convince Emma Hayes to accept the job once this season's done. Yeah, a, a manic state of affairs. But at the same time, I, I, like you read those names off, and I'm thinking that's probably Chelsea's list as well. <laughs> Come the end of the season. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, <laughs> that's that even to think about now for the rest of the season us and other women's football followers are just going to be like, well, who are Chelsea going to be lining up? Like, I just, just thought about it as well. Imagine the chaos of it being Joe Montero. Oh, my God. Ex-Arsenal manager. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. It was just bonkers. I guess the best thing to look at next is the impact Emma Hayes has had. Um, you could say the entire... The, the, the Wiesel's history, but it's just women's football in general. She's just a massive spokesperson for issues, and this is going to be a loss to the WSL. Yeah, I mean, been at the helm uh, at Chelsea for 11 years, uh, was appointed in August 2012, overseen 300 games in charge, and has gone on to do massive things, and the way she spoke so positively about the growth of the women's game and helped grow it in England alone is um, absolutely incredible. And everyone knows of her knowledge of the game and whatnot. I mean, how many times have we seen in the past couple of years her, of her being linked with taking a job in men's football? Like, it always seems to be if there's going to be one person to break that barrier, it is going to be Emma Hayes. Yeah, it's interesting. I saw as well she's going to become the highest paid female coach as well she's because the way the usa works she's going to earn the same as greg brolter they're going to earn the same wage because of the usa's equal pay measures that mm-hmm. came in so good news all around for that. and Emma hayes in a way sort of has unfinished business in the us i mean yeah. read up a lot recently she had a spell in charge of the Chicago Red Stars that I didn't know before this week. No, actually, I didn't. No, she she worked in the US for quite a while, so she knows of how it all works over there. There's one thing mm. I'm not aware of, and I'm guessing you will be, given you watch more of the US than I do. Explains me what the player pool is. I've got no idea what this is. It's blowing my mind. It's... Again, it's quite a confusing uh, stuff. So as far as I'm aware, the player pool is like there's a certain amount of talent because um, obviously in the NWSL and a lot of American sports, players go through like a a draft system uh, because obviously you're coming straight out of college and it's very rare that signings from European clubs happen. It's like they usually go through the draft. So there's always a selection of players that are like readily available and 
there's always going to be a on mass of players that whilst may not be signed to the club um there's always this option of having a player that can come in and when the players go on international duty that they're they're available for selection and they can just be coming and signed as international replacement players because a lot of the time um i don't know why the mls and the nwsl they continue whilst the international break is going on so it's like a big ocean of players that are readily available for all clubs uh, at all times even as you explain i'm going eh? <laughs> why why is this a thing why do they have to be different <laughs> but mm. uh, fair, fair, fair play that's their way of doing it i'm sure i will learn more about that as the years go on but i want to stick on the usa just for a second they're currently undergoing a bit of a is it a transition period for their team Oh, yeah, I think it definitely is. I mean, you've got some players coming towards the back end of the career. Obviously, Megan Rapino and Ali Krieger have retired from international football and will be retiring after this weekend uh, at club football. You've got players on the older spectrum of their careers. So you look at the likes of Alex Morgan, Kelly O'Hara, Emily Sonnet, Rose Lavelle, and then they've got a great talent of young players coming through at the minute. So your Trinity Rodman's Mia Fischel's, Katarina Macario, Alyssa Thompson, Olivia Moultrie, just to name five players there. Like it's it's one of them where this is a big period for uh, the US women's national team because they've got to get this phasing out and in of the new and old generation right. Otherwise, it could be a big blow to them. Yeah, I'll go back to Chelsea in a few minutes, but just sticking on Mia Fisher and Katarina Macario, they're they're seeing these rumours just shaking their hands going, yep. Yeah, I mean... Perfect for me. It's going to be annoying for them because you think, oh, we're getting rid of Emma Hayes, we won't have to see her or think about her again. Nope, she's going to be watching our every move. We don't know they're annoyed. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say no. that the, 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 that point of their careers with her, yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. I mean... They've only been there a short period of time. Exactly. If anything, it's a benefit for them because Hayes will have an understanding of them as players and be ready for them whenever she does get confirmed. If she, if she does get confirmed, it seems likely she's going to get confirmed. Enough has gone round that it's yeah. probably going to happen. And when it does, there's a likelihood that she's going to be the head coach for the olympics yeah it's it's a bit of a weird one because like they'll probably confirm it maybe over the next couple of weeks you would expect however i think they can't leave it be... all season like, yeah, it, it feels too obvious at this point it, you can't wait can you yeah and it's one of them where uh i don't think she'll take it over like any of the um ban um any of the games um prior to her contract with Chelsea ending like she may have input on like okay here's how I want the team to play and so they're so used she to just my does style. A, she just does a career mode. Like <laughs> she just does both. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly it could be something like that. But I, I don't know how these like couple of months before May are gonna look like for the US team. Like is Emma Hayes gonna have any port input into how the team's playing and the selection, or is she just going to leave that to the acting head coach at the minute? 
I've seen the current acting head coach isn't doing too badly. He's won three games and drawn one. I saw. Mm. So, so. We've got something there, but Emma Hayes will have her own plans. Definitely. And it, the big thing is whether she's going to be able to implement them into something that it's definitely all about the personalities I found yeah. with the US. And I, I do wonder if that's going to work out, which like, I don't think Emma Hayes is going to struggle with personalities. Like, you can imagine that she works with a lot of them at Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, there's, I think it's one of them where in America, the US stars, because of them obviously having won four World Cups and the fight for the equal pay right and everything, they're a lot more known in the media where if you think about Chelsea women players, apart from Sam Kerr, and maybe Frank Kirby and Millie Bright. Over the last two to three years, everyone else has started to get their name out there more than uh, what the US stars uh, have been used to. Because, like, the social media interaction and levels are obviously massively different. So there's obviously that to deal with for Emma Hayes, but I don't think that would be an issue for her at all. She's a top, top manager, and uh, she'll know how to get the best out of the players that she has at her disposal. Yeah, like it, it's a weird thing because the timing is very strange. It's like five games into the season. Like, yeah. has this always been the plan? Is this something that has been discussed for a while? There's a lot that's obviously unknown. We haven't heard anything from Emma Hayes since the announcement, which is pretty incredible. <laughs> I will say, yeah. not a lot of peep on the, this press conference on Friday, I would gather. That's gonna be very interesting to watch. Yeah, well, I mean, you you know, every question is literally just gonna be uh, about her decision to leave Chelsea and move into the US potentially. Um, I don't even like. There's just so many questions that have got to be asked. Like, it's gonna be hard for the media to think about Chelsea's game this weekend in the WSL. Um, like, there is. Like there hasn't been as big of a story in uh, club level of women's football for ages. I'm going to say, oh, poor Everton, are they going to deal with this now? <laughs> after they're bringing the way Chelsea are going to be now for the rest of the season. But poor everybody else. <laughs> yes. If there was not more motivation that Chelsea's players needed, it was this. Like, their mindset now is... Let's go and win the fuck. <laughs> Let's go and win it all. Exactly. I mean, the only um, thing that is missing for them is the Champions League trophy. Like, if they can finish that off, what a perfect end to Emma Hayes' tenure. Like, winning everything in that is possible for her to win during her uh, 11 years at the club, uh, just under 12 years by the time the uh, final comes round. It's just... Like, there is obviously going to be that extra motivation to give her the best uh, send-off possible. You can imagine it as well. San Mames. Emma Hayes, the last game in charge of Chelsea. Narrative. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Love a bit of narrative. Mm. Um, there's been also... A, there was a tiny bit of rumours on late Saturday, may have been on Sunday, that uh, they were also looking to hire... Denise Reddy, who's her assistant at Chelsea, 
as well uh, to come in through the door. So um, I think that's obviously going to be something to keep an eye on. Does she take her number two? And how many of the Chelsea staff go with her to the US? That was going to be a big thing for me as well. Like In terms of if they were after a manager, are they just going to keep with someone within the club just to make it easier for, for the transition mm. with players as well? But in a weird way, we know what this Chelsea ownership thinks about appointing managers. If we take oh, what yeah. the men's team has done, for example, they've gone for names. They've gone for yeah. styles of play. There's no way they appoint someone from within the club. If it's if it's them that are in charge of this and they take control, I don't know how Chelsea's women's team setup works. I've, Todd Bowley's always the mindset that I've got from him is that he wants control of it and he wants to say in it yeah definitely so, so he's gonna go for the name and right now i'm thinking who's the names that are available i know there has been one name mentioned definitely in that or who's admired that was what was reported that's casey stoney that's a it's an interesting one for you as a manchester united fan how do you take that i mean she's done an excellent job at um the san diego wave over the two years got them winning the nwsl shield this past season for best regular season Missed out uh, in the final. Well, yeah, they got to the place, but missed out on the final after losing this past weekend. But I think for her... So the thinking, shield is the real trophy. Exactly. Uh, but for her, I don't think that would happen because she's literally just moved... Uh, well, her partner and her three children have literally just moved to America in the last couple of months. She's not going to want to uproot them from uh, San Diego, California to come back to England in such a short period of time. I think... It's one, if say this was, she was four years in and uh, more settled in America, then I think you could say, okay, that's more understandable. But I think the whole timing of that whole thing, personally, I just don't see that happening. Um, if we're talking big name coaches, and we know uh, he, Todd Bowley is happy to splash the cash on signing a manager, if we look at the men's side, like you said, does he try and get Jonathan Heraldes out of Barcelona? Oh, I think that's oh, that's very ambitious. I mean, is it not? It's incredibly <laughs> ambitious. It, it is, but I, I'm then I'm thinking. I mean, we may go into this in a segment in a second. In my sick mind, I'm thinking. Hmm, if only Phil Neville was still available. <laughs> Actually, I'm thinking now, who goes there? Who replaces Emma Hayes? But it, it's too early to call, isn't it? I mean, I'm thinking of a few names. I've got um, Luis Cortez, former Barcelona manager, who's recently left uh, Ukraine. Um, obviously, you've got Joe Montemuro, Peter Gerhardsson, uh who I think the Sweden manager was the Sweden manager, I can't remember. Um, you've got Tony Gustafsson, who's Australia. I'm then thinking, where else do you look? I mean, I there's know one name I also thought would have been on the list if it wasn't for the start that she's had this season. I think Carla Ward would have been on that list. Mm. I know I've joked with you. It's well hard to turn that question. around, but hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, I know I've joked with you as well uh, about Mark Parsons potentially going there. 
Like he's, 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 he's going to manage leaving. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's going to be one where we won't hear any official news until after the season's finished. So probably late May into June, July, you would expect for that. But, so I'd much imagine... can happen in this time frame that a different name could just come up out of nowhere and be like, that's the one. Yeah, I mean, could Martina Vosdecklenburg, who's obviously recently left Germany, could she go there? Like, it's... I've done my research and said, I don't think that would be wise. Not, it wouldn't. Not I think, honestly, in my mind, whoever it is, I think struggles. I, I just think nine times out of ten, we've ever seen this with managers that have been at clubs for so long. Their predecessor, they never work out. Hello, Manchester United. Men. Have you ever experienced this? I've been experiencing this for the past 10 years, Jesus It's Christ. still ongoing. It is painful as hell. Arsenal have only just got over it with, exactly. with Wenger. So it's going to be a challenge for, for Chelsea. And the transition that comes from that with players as well, I think it's going to be very interesting. How many well, of them I mean, leave? I mean, they've got a few players... Uh, I can think of um, predominantly Sanker, Sanker. Contract. Yeah, like, that's hard to see her staying on. If I'm honest, um, I mean her partner is over in America. Christy Mew is playing see, for this is Gotham. Mad. Everything is just falling into place. <laughs> like, does she? I mean, she still holds the record for the most goals in NWSL history, even though she's been left like four years now. Whoever comes into Chelsea isn't inheriting a bad squad. Like they've got phenomenal players at their disposal who are under contract because they have, I think they've got about three or four um, who are mentioned in the article at the start of the season, um, like what each team needs to do in the transfer window uh, on our Substack website. I think that should be. What's the, what's the link? Uh, womensfootballtalk.substack.com. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. I, I forget sometimes. Uh, and I said um, they've got the thing for Chelsea is tying these players down to new contracts. So if they can, whoever comes in is getting a fantastic group of players that we know can dominate the WSL, can also do well in uh, European competition as well. So like that person has all the tools at their disposal. It's just how they use them. Well, I think you explained it pretty well like whoever the manager is they can have their own style possibly their own people as well whatever happens so we, we can't we can't predict nor could we tell that until that happens and that feels a long long way away <laughs> i mean it could be, but at the same time you never know in women's football i mean when we have the christmas break maybe we have some news then like, yeah. you just don't know. I feel like it wouldn't be right to have the successor confirmed this early on, would it? It just it distracts then a little bit. I feel like if you're Chelsea yeah. now, you try and keep it as hushed as much as you can or just leave it towards the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be uh, end of the season, personally. I think we won't hear anything before then. It'd be the right thing to do. Squad can focus on winning everything. Mm -hmm. End in the best way possible. And yeah, go from there. For the last note, note, I want to say Emma Hayes, leaving the WSL at the end of the season, we'll probably, again, say this, come 
that day in May. But uh, it's going to be weird. <laughs> when they're in the league. Bit of a happy thing as well. The WSL changes as we know it. As we said, Chelsea, yeah. are they going to be the same when once this is all over? Her final home game in charge of Ch- Chelsea, 5th of May as it stands against Bristol City. So you couldn't have asked for a nicer match, really. Could you? And then her final... <laughs> And then her final league game is in charge against Manchester United uh, on the 18th. And then obviously there's the potential for an FA Cup final and the Champions League final at the San Mames in, uh, I think, early June, early to mid-June. We are still talking about the WSL and plenty to talk about um, from the weekend just gone because Arsenal-Manchester City at the weekend... Game finished 2-1 to Arsenal, but it's the post-match comments from uh, Gareth Taylor that has caused a stir this week. Caused more than a stir. <laughs> Just ding, ding. <laughs> get the get the bad sign effects going because this is this has gone to another level in the last few days. I mean, I'm excited to see uh, the fighting talk out of these two managers, man. Yeah, uh, the way this all started, of course, Gareth Taylor's post-match comments in the only in the BBC in, interview. That was the interesting part. He said he claimed what well, his claims were that Arsenal manager Jonas Odebell had bullied the fourth official with the way he was acting towards them. We only saw the one clip of when he's talking to it. It's like, don't all managers do that? To be honest, yeah. I mean, obviously. Um, well, I know you're not so a leader, I'm not. Not condoning any of it. Yeah. Like you'd like uh, managers I'm, to be a bit wary. Yeah, I'm not a lip reader, so I don't know fully what you and has been saying to the well, I don't know what you're saying because it's backwards to the, to the camera. But there's also that as well, but it's one of them That's where... That's kind of the big point. It's like, no one's a lip reader obviously... in that situation. <laughs> I mean, if you can lead uh, lips when someone's facing you back, you off. Yeah, he wasn't. Obviously, Gareth Taylor would be able to hear it because he would have been in earshot of uh, what you and Asada was saying if he was saying it at a respectable level. Um, like you say, I feel like a lot of managers are always having a go at the fourth official at something, whether it's the amount of stoppage time being played, delays in the game, players getting booked for this situation, or opponent players not getting booked when their players have been booked. Like every manager in world football, men's, women's, any age that has a fourth official, they will all do it. Yeah, Gareth Taylor himself also said that he was doing it as a way of protecting the official who was Melissa Bergen during that game. And Odeval came out today. I believe it was. Was the yeah. day? was we recording on the Wednesday? So he said it today for when we're recording. He went along the lines of saying that it was borderline slander, which is like oh, mm. <laughs> come on, Jonas. <laughs> yeah, we're in Got the for round I'm ready now. I just we're going to a new level here. Mm, give me round two, please, because I am ready for it, man. This is round two. You know? <laughs> well, I'm ready for. The aftermath, like when these two face each other again in the either the league or any of the cup competitions, uh, the rest of this. You season. told me but ultimate weekend of the season, yeah. Oof. In the league, but obviously cup competitions. They both are somehow in the title race. <laughs> or imagine 
uh, FA Cup semi-final for a place at Wembley. Just FA Cup oh. final. Get them both in the FA Cup final. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it's. I mean, it's something that's going to be brought up when that happens. And I think a lot of eyes are going to be on Jürgen's Eidevel and how he acts uh, along the touchline this weekend because I have never Bora... advocated more for touchline cam in my life on my bad Arsenal they're away at Leicester City uh, this Sunday at the King Power Stadium it's the evening kickoff at 6.45 UK time uh, so on Sky Sports so we'll be able to hear some things if Jonas Oliver is moaning at uh, the fourth official in this one to be fair he does get emotional on the touchline he's been booked a couple of times so quite a few times maybe in that position if you're coming, if you're coming from it for Gareth Taylor's point of view he's obviously fought right I'm gonna stand up for the official here whereas mm-hmm. on the other hand it's like in, from the side of our point of view it's like could you talk to me first maybe understand my point of view on this because that's what yeah. it sounds like there's no communication between the two it's just they're both saying things mm-hmm. It's, and it's just annoying the other one. Yeah. It's mental. I very much doubt though, that they will contact one another, to be honest. And uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, this weekend, both have pretty decent fixtures, I think, for themselves. Maybe more so Manchester City than Arsenal. We'll, we'll talk Arsenal in a minute, but first Man City's match of last everything's gone off I've lost. they're at home against uh brighton and hove albion at one o'clock on sunday okay then maybe theirs is just as tough considering brian got a, a point against the other manchester club in the wsl and yeah i thought brighton showed themselves for the first time this weekend that's I mean, what we've been waiting for yeah i mean sophie bagley's performance was absolutely phenomenal Better the nerves on par with each other. I, I said it in jest. I know. I'm, both of them were really good. Honestly, both made like fantastic saves. England's goalkeeping department right now. Yeah. Both the men's team and right backs. Yeah, England actually do have two, women have too many. It works uh, in the, the opposite. Or we have so many men's right backs and there are barely any in the women's. And then we have too many uh, goalkeepers in the women's, but not enough in the men's. It's mental. Yeah. But um, any yeah, but... player right back, I feel like it might be the. <laughs> I mean, she's not even in the Man City team tonight for the Conti Cup game. That's even recording. That's weekend. It was still something's happened there, honey. and I feel like for her, it, the maybe you have to look for a move away. Yeah, I mean, um, as we're recording, they're currently playing. Uh, Liverpool in the Conti Cup, but Ellie Roebuck's not even in the match day squad again. Yeah, obviously, obviously we don't know if it's anything like a falling out or it's just an injury that's not been disclosed. So we don't know. It's as simple as that. Yeah, um, but yeah, Manchester City Brighton this weekend. Um, obviously, City will be hoping that they can get back to winning ways after losing to uh, Arsenal last weekend. Still in the top two of the champ uh, of the table, uh, obviously Chelsea overtaken them with their victory. Um, don't I would imagine Alex Greenwood is still missing for this one. Obviously, uh, her concussion. Yes, probably likely. Yeah. Uh, so she'll be back uh, next week. 
But yeah, I think the City squad is still very strong and will um, have the best chance because I'm looking uh, at the team tonight and there's been a few changes. Uh, the likes of Gilroad, Bunny Shaw, Chloe Kelly, Leia Alexandri and Mary Fellow are all being rested uh, on the bench. So they've got fresh legs coming into this weekend for that one. Yeah, smart for them. And going for the Arsenal perspective as well, they're playing Leicester City in the 6.45 kickoff. I think in a very underrated way, this could be an absolutely fantastic game. For me, it's got the hallmarks of Manchester United Brighton again. Yeah, maybe that. But also, I think, remember what we were saying when Leicester played Manchester City? There was this vibe of, what if Leicester decides to just go for it? Mm. What what happens if Leicester decide to rip up the rule book and say, you know what, we're going to go for you? And they kind of did that at times. Oh, yeah. It was really weird to see with this odd formation they're playing. Imagine they do this against Arsenal. This is chaos. <laughs> That's so much potential for anarchy. And for me, I'm, I look at it and I'm like, they can actually get a result there because... I look at how Arsenal's defence has been throughout this season so far, and it's still not filling me with uh, a lot of confidence. Like, there's still question marks I have over Arsenal's defence. Yeah, this is a Leicester team that has got goals in it. It's That's been proven enough times this season. Yeah, I mean, just going back to last weekend, uh, although they did lose to Liverpool, uh, Missy Goodwin's goal was absolutely yeah, beautiful. So that, yeah. that game had a lot of good goals at Melissa Lawley's as well. It was nice. Yes, very, very uh, nice. Um, right, let's continue with the rest of the games this weekend then. So to actually start uh, Sunday, because all games are on Sunday, we have Manchester United versus West Ham at midday. Uh, Man United obviously getting that last gasp draw with Brighton at the weekend. Rachel Williams doing Rachel Williams stuff. They sent out the signal. Because that's what she is now. She's basically a superhero that you have to call on at the last minute. She really is. Like, the whole game, United were having chances and they will be having chances throughout their games. You know, like, just, okay, Rachel, do what you do. Like, in a way, even if she's not playing for the club anymore, they're still going to be like, Rachel, come on, we need you. Like, I don't play for you anymore. Leave me alone. <laughs> she's retired. Rachel, can you come to at least... 50 years <laughs> old, why are we still doing this? I'm in a wheelchair. Why? What do you need from me? Like I'm old. I'm retired. I've got my pension. Stop calling me. This is borderline harassment. I'm a pension. <laughs> I mean, she, just a pundit. She becomes a pundit. She's on the side like Rach. Come on, <laughs> like leave me alone. She ends up managing Man United and uh, brings herself on as a super sub. Player I'll do it, man. Just full Thanos. Fine, I'll do this myself. <laughs> uh, oh, good. Yeah, like, she's inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> that was the long, a long story short. She is inevitable. Uh, but um, for West Ham, on the opposite hand, they will be obviously wanting to get back to. Uh, winning ways, lost their last three league game. Sorry, two of their last three league games, uh, losing to Bristol City 
at the weekend. Um, so not all too swell for Rianne Skinner's side, but um, still not overly bad and pr- roughly where I'd expect them to be. Yeah, very mixed, I'd say. But Rico Ueke, I'm always going to say this because I was right. <laughs> I called yes. this growth happening and she's the, she's the most crucial player in that team. She gets a goal, oh, yeah. they have a chance. Yeah, I think the three best players for them this season are definitely Ueki, Kirsty Smith, and I'd say Mackenzie Arnold's had a good, strong season as well. Yeah, they've got a nice group of players, actually, when you look at it, West Ham. Mm. It's just getting the, the points. Yeah, it's just about filling it all in and connecting the darts finally, which I think... Managing games come. better as well. I think that's part of it. Yeah, and I think that will happen as the season goes on. Um, obviously, still learning Rianne Skinner's ways and everything, uh, and it will slowly but surely come together over the coming weeks and that. Next up at half past 12, it is Tottenham versus Liverpool, third versus fourth in the league. Robert Wilhelm's side uh, held to a 1-1 draw against Everton last week. Grace Clinton getting the goal there before Aurora Garley scored a penalty in the 85th minute. Still really impressed with how Spurs are looking. I mean, the way their signings have settled in Clinton, uh, Thomas, Artinen, like, it's just so, so good. Yeah, weird that they didn't beat Everton last week. They had all the chances. Courtney Rosnan was on another level for Everton mm. last week, I thought, and Tottenham would have considered themselves unlucky to have not won that game after conceding the late penalty. Yeah, Liverpool, they... Got the much-needed win against Leicester after not winning since early October. I think this has a bit of potential to be very good, this this match. It's the capability of being the game of the weekend. I know I said it with the Leicester-Arsenal, but Spurs-Liverpool... You can't say with potential. all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it with Man United, so... Because <laughs> we knew that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I do think third versus fourth, two teams that have mightily impressed compared to where they were this time last season. I am very, very excited for that one. Um, Then at 1pm, we have Everton versus Chelsea and Manchester City versus Brighton and Hove Albion, which we've mentioned about. Um, Chelsea, obviously, we said this is their first game since the Emma Hayes news came out and obviously uh, getting a thumping uh, win last week against Aston Villa, six different goal scorers. I mean, this team is just too deep and too good yeah especially when it's you know you don't have to come out of first gear to to do it <laughs> as well we'll do we'll do that in a second when we get onto your game oh. uh like you said like we said uh everton managing to get a draw with spurs aurora gali or gali rory gali gali i believe it's gali gali um scoring the goal Gives them a much-needed point, keeps them level on points with Brighton and West Ham. Um, bit of a slow start to the season for Brian Sorensen's side. Only scored three goals so far. Um, lowest scorers in the league. So is that a bit worrying for them? It's worrying. Or well, at least they won't interpret it as worrying. I think it's still a little bit too early for that. They have to keep getting the points now purely because... Everyone would have looked at Bristol City and gone, they're not going to get the points. Who are they going to get 
the wins against. Well, they've just proven actually they they have got it in them, and yeah, it's it's given everyone this boost now. Thinking right, don't underestimate them. Like even the top four never under Enter, never underestimate anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be a really close fought encounter, and I think for all, the rest of the season is just. Any team can take points off anyone is the main uh, thing you have to look out for. Anybody can get beaten on their day. Yeah, definitely. So uh, the one team that will be hoping to get a victory this weekend, the only team without a victory so far in the WSL is Aston Villa, and they're travelling away to Bristol What's that? Sorry, I've got to deal with something. That's, oh, just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, away yeah. at Ashton Gate on Sunday. Um, hasn't been going well for Villa in the league this season. No, I think we're we're at a point maybe we're just desperate for points. I know the the start was tough, but the way we lost the last game was not good at all. There's no mm-hmm. positive spin you can put on that. It was just awful, dreadful. I mean, thankfully tonight, as it stands, you're playing Championship side uh, Sheffield United in the County Cup, and you are currently two 0 up. With Rachel Davies scoring both goals. Uh, again, Carla <laughs> uh, Ward has made the changes tonight in that one as well. Um, but if you drop point, if you don't pick up the three points against Bristol City, then uh, it's going to be very, very uh, daunting times. Yeah, like I don't want to call for a manager to lose their job ever on this podcast. I don't. I don't feel I ever will, and I hope no, no, no. I hope I never do. I, I don't ever want to do that. That's wrong. But it's still, people losing their jobs at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I would fear for Carla Ward though if we did lose this one. And right now, as saying, looking out there, who's available? I, I worry. I, I worry if another person gets anything else out of. But let's be honest. Every other manager should get something out of the players that we do have. There are some quality players in this squad. I just don't yeah, understand definitely. what's gone wrong. It's like the principles of last season have been abandoned. It's, it's just the basics in the defending so far. Uh, this season's been bad. I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, some blame, tiny has tiny bit has to go on Daphne Van Damme's a lot, but not a lot because obviously she's new to the league and new to the team. But the rest Is there of a goalkeeper defense... this season who hasn't made a mistake? Let's be honest. Oh, yeah, but I think defensively there's been a lot of poor defending from Villa um it's just completely strange compared to how solid and resolute they looked at last season to this season it just looks like light and day difference it's gone like they've gone back two seasons when they were struggling um with uh survival and they were obviously fighting Reading and Birmingham City at the time like it's gone back to them times do you know what it was as well? This Chelsea game was the perfect example of it because our whole approach to games has changed. Mm. You think back to last April when we went to the FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea, pretty much a similar group of players. We went at Chelsea in that game. We yeah. did not do that after the first like 15 minutes of this one. It was just mental. Like it could, it, Chelsea could have just walked the ball in. It just became too easy. I did. Did you not see? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. Like, it, 
the fact that they had six different goal scorers is mental. Ashley Lawrence came on. That's fullback. Ashley Lawrence came on to literally play left wing as she was just open in the box yeah. and she scored. That's that, that point. You're just going, oh my God, what, what's happened? Yeah, it's uh, a lot to be worried about. Yeah, but I like, look, Bristol City, I think it'll be an interesting game. I think both teams will will go at each other, I would expect. It will be an interesting one to watch, and I think it, it's must win. From my perspective as an Aston Villa fan, it's, it's a must win. Yeah, I mean, Lauren Smith's side obviously picked up their first win last weekend against West Ham. Uh, Amelie Thestrop, Ella Powell and Brooke Aspin uh, were the goal scorers for them as they picked up that first win in what I'm going to say is an ugly yellow and green kit. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. I do not like that You're kit You're not a fan all. of it. I didn't mind it. I think no. they've worn something like that a couple of times. Like it's just a Bristol City thing. You can't say that as... So what, we have West Brom fans in the family and they adore this yellow and green thing that I just, I don't get it. It's because it's, it's traditional in their colours, like they've had that for It's traditional in Bristol City. Yeah, at least with West Brom, it looks kind of normal. It, maybe it's just the yellow of uh, Bristol City, it just looks weird. It looks like a... Yeah, it's like a mustard yellow. But lighter. I was going to say a custard cream. You know, the biscuits, Ooh. custard creams. Uh, don't, you're making me want a custard cream now. <laughs> anyway, that's what it looks like. You know, I spoke to someone recently who said custard creams are the worst thing ever. I was like, what? <laughs> I was offended. <laughs> I think it was after the bake-off as well, because like, they'd done something on there. I'd only seen it online. But hey, if you watch bake-off, that's, that's fine. But it's mad. But custard creams are great. I mean, I prefer bourbons, but custard creams are goaded. Hmm. Anyway, back to the football. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how, that was biscuit chat. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, that's all that we mentioned, obviously, Arsenal, uh, Leicester to wrap up the weekend. So that is the NWS, um, WSL games. We have the NWSL final taking place this weekend, um, Saturday night if you're in America, Sunday night or Sunday morning early hours if you're in Europe. And it will be the OL Reign versus Gotham FC from one o'clock at uh, the early hours of Sunday for the championship. It will be played at uh, San Diego Waves Snapdragon Stadium. What a story it will be. Oh, what could for... have been for San Diego Wave? I mean, if Gotham win this, this would be such a great story. Last place in the table last season. Juan Carlos Amarash winning coach of the year. I think he's done an exception. Is it just because, is it just like one of those things like, oh, it's amazing if, you know, trying to make the right example. Uh, say Rob Edwards was just to keep Luton up, for example, is like he's the manager of the season just for doing that. Is it one of them levels? Kind of. Obviously, it's, it's, obviously it's not, I mean, the same way, but it's, it, it's like, he it, shouldn't be doing bit, that with that team. <laughs> It's a bit like Marco Silva getting nominated for manager of the season last season. You're like, you mean Unai there taking Aston Villa all the way? <laughs> yeah. But um, if they do win the championship, then that would be such uh, good for uh, Gotham FC uh, in that sense, going from last place to said, champions look, the in a year. The playoffs to the playoffs. You know this, but 
but fair play that it's what third versus six was it uh fourth versus sixth yeah close enough but that's for the final it's very intriguing i yeah, guess um, and because this final brings narrative yeah both megan rapino and ali krieger playing in their last professional matches who's gonna take that trophy home and have all the celebrations with them like both players have had illustrious careers for club and country and what a perfect send-off it will be for one of them come uh probably about three four o'clock in the morning yeah right, it will uh, be an interesting watch i i don't stay up for these things i i go to sleep if i'm honest <laughs> it's yeah it's as simple as that and, uh, i believe that's all for this podcast uh it's free now that's the villa rage daily got a hat trick <laughs> I mean, by the time people are listening to this the game would have obviously been over for over 12 hours now what's that six goals rachel daily <laughs> oh gosh um but yeah they're off i say <laughs> uh we'll be back next week earlier on in the week to look back at the weekend's action and uh look ahead to the champions league because that's back next week on tuesday and wednesday yes can't wait exactly uh in the meantime make sure you are following us on uh twitter or x whatever you want to call it and instagram women's football talk on both uh make sure you're following us on youtube as well we'll have a upload preview in the weekend's games of the wsl and any other talking points that come out between now and then and uh you check out our website womensfootballtalk.substack.com for all the latest articles and pieces out there but in the meantime we'll see you next week <laughs>